Welcome to Every Step Podcast. I'm Christina Weston. And I'm Judith Beck. Every Step is the podcast where career and life meet. With a new guest every episode, we explore the gutsy issues affecting everyone in the workplace. Our guest today is Deborah Paradis. She is one of the most talented people I have met. A stand-up comedian, and if you haven't looked at her video at the Improv on Hollywood, I would say you should do it because it's so funny, Deb. And also, you're a talented singer and musician. Like, hello, you kept that secret um, from me when I first met you. I didn't know anything about that. So check check her albums out on Spotify. It's fabulous music. And she's also an author and public speaker. Deb is now vice president of Stories and Voices at Swell, an emerging audio platform which connects people from around the world to talk about different subjects they are interested in. Deb has participated in more than 30,000 conversations, including serving as the host for conversations with global thought leaders. So welcome, Deb, and thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. I, you know, I keep things secrets so that you can continue to discover me and that feeds our relationship. <laughs> oh my God. I'm, I'm going, oh, I, I, like you, when you sent me all your stuff and the, the links and I'm going in there and going, okay, stand-up comedian. First of all, I got to have that coat that you wear in that video. That is amazing. <laughs> so cute. It's actually a sweater with a little bit of fur on it. Ah, it's adorable. And, uh, and then, then, and then I find the music and everything else that's on there. I mean, I could go on. It's just you're so talented. So thank you thank so much you. for coming and, and sharing uh, this time with us. I'm going to get you to talk about what Swell does as well. Um, so maybe if you could just give us um, a little, a, a little, you know, sort of um, elevator pitch. Of what Elev- I, sure. Well, no, and 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 just full disclosure because I met you because of Swell. So I could say that that's how I was fortunate enough to sort of be able to, you know, spin around the world and and connect to people. Uh, Swell is designed to help people use their voice. That's all. It's people are used to typing, you know, posting pictures, but the voice is really our soul. And this platform allows for the the voice to lead. It also enables you to post pictures. It also enables you to do links, but it's for the voice. So when you post a voice, You have up to five minutes and then people's voices thread in underneath you, just like comments would with their voices. Um, So the one big part of Swell is it's a social platform using voice. The other part of Swell is it's like a disruptor. It democratizes podcasting because it says, okay, you have a voice, you have a microphone on your phone, say something for five minutes. Uh, You can reply to yourself if you want to say things for more than five minutes. But something you say in 45 minutes, you probably could say in five minutes. That's what we've learned. Um, you see how powerful, you know, 30 second commercials are to change people's minds. So think about five minutes of something you want to posit in the world and you build a swell cast full of these incredible, um, missives. And sometimes they, uh, engender sort of people's enthusiasm and they want to reply. Sometimes they just sit there as, as soul, um, audio pieces, but we're trying to get people to say, Here's a different way to put my voice out. That's uh, that's um, inexpensive. It's, it's free, in fact, and it's immediate. So a good example of a good swell moment for me is when somebody is in a situation and they want to use their voice to say, here I am, here I'm in this moment, I'm snapping a photo, uh, and they could do it without having to go into the studio, but we hear their their humanity because voice carries your humanity. And some people don't have a face for video or they don't want to be in video. So you just drop into the soul of the voice. You don't have to see the visage unless they take a snap. 
So and you can hear the audio tone. Book. You can hear the tone and the emotion yeah. that is often missed in the written word. Absolutely, I love it because um, on my swell thing, where you know people have come in and they've asked questions questions about whatever topic and, and connected, and you think, oh wow, I, they're really listening. <laughs> this is yeah. really I go back and then they come back. It's just such a great. Um, uh, it's just such a great app. I love it. You I know, I was in the Bay Area for 18 years and um, I came in in 91 and left in 2009. So I lived through the entire dot com boom, bust, whatever twirly thing you want to give it like chapters of. But parallel to that was the slow food movement that Alice Waters was starting. Um, where it was about farm to table and really indulging and having five hour meals and and not because you can you're a time waster, but because you want to appreciate the gathering and the food and the ritual. And sometimes I look at swell as like a slow food movement of of social and of podcasting because you, you least listening takes time. So you don't get that dopamine hit the way you get it when you're just scrolling and hitting and liking and commenting. It's if you drop into someone's story and and it, it conjures up a deeper, experience that you 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 keep with you a little bit longer so it's i think it's i think it'll it'll evolve ultimately as a place where certain kinds of people go to have deeper connection yeah absolutely and i love all the different mm. subjects too you know they yeah. can go in and find what they're interested in and talk about business or art or current events or or you know books or what whatever they want to and find their group of yeah. what they, you know, like-minded people who will chat about So I love you what know. you said around people can say in five minutes rather than what they would normally say in 30. And and that's that's so true from a storytelling and a communication perspective. I think we get a bit indulgent and we think the more minutes we speak for, the more important we are or the more valuable we are. And it's actually not how long you speak. It's the succinctness and the and the power behind your message and that could be said in one minute or three minutes or whatever it doesn't need 30 the rest is embellishment embellishment yeah. and it's an indul- it's an indulgence sometimes like you said yeah i think absolutely. we're indulgent judith we're indulgent podcasters we are. <laughs> no, but, you know it's it's so interesting because the two of you i've i've i've, I've listened to a couple of episodes uh, over time probably more than a couple and there's there's an inclusion in your dialogue and in your joy that is perfect. I mean, I think when two people are vibing and riffing, there's nothing more delicious than that. Uh, when it's asynchronous, like swell, you still can get that energy, but it's 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 not live. So it's a different kind of uh, experience. What I love about it most is that if, if I can't schedule with you and I want to talk to you, I just drop three questions up in the in the top, and then you can answer them over time. So I get to not waste your time, and then we can go back and forth a little bit. Yeah, asynchronous work, asynchronous communication. There's 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 that theme coming coming through society at the moment. Yeah. That ability to be able to speak to someone. And we see that with some other mediums as well. People are starting to use their voice more in terms of communication. Because all of us have spoken, you know, to so many people in these last few years, and it's been a tough last few years for a lot of people, especially in the work environment and um, all over the world. And so I just want to kick it up, up, off with what people, what you guys have been seeing, like what have you been seeing, Deborah, as far as the temperature out there? How are people feeling from a work perspective coming? Are they, is there light at the end of the tunnel or are they, or are they still digging the tunnel? 
I hear a lot of people, you know, interestingly enough, there's a lot of coaches on Swell that are reacting to what this, what's going on. They're trying to reach people through Swell. So I'm listening and listening and listening. And then there's people that are on the other end that are looking for a conversation to help validate their emotions. I think it's a highly emotional time. And I think people are getting used to the fact that we're living in a very emotional uh, cycle where uh, social media has said, yeah, you can, you can talk about your personal life. I think there's a problem though with what you get out of that and sometimes you get something you didn't think you're going to get so you know we look at the elizabeth gilberts and Brene browns and 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 uh, glendon doyles who are teaching us about vulnerability and emotional availability and emotional intelligence and that's happening parallel to people's true disillusionment with society and government and work and there's a clash though i think where we haven't been able to figure out what the container is for all this because if I'm hiring somebody and I check out their world of social and I see them blubbering all the time about their troubles and about their discordant thought thinking and, and their, and their disillusionment and their, sometimes it's valid, but I, I cock my head and say, do I want this person on my team? Because I need her to get shit done. So That's it's like, there's, there's, a, there's a problem, right? I mean, do you guys find that people are wanting to be all those things that these wonderful leaders especially female leaders are saying, be whole, be authentic, be yourself, be real. But what's the, are we doing too much of that? Yeah. Oversharing. We, we, we had this, we've had this conversation a lot, Judith and I, that we worry that people are oversharing and there's a point where, yes, you need to show your vulnerability, but there's a time and place for that. And do you just want verbal diarrhea and vomit on every post? No. Exactly. And you know what, when you talk about leaders, because this is the one thing that I've heard a lot, and you see it over and over and over again, like, um, show, show your team that you're vulnerable, that you have these, pro you know, and I'm thinking, when I think put my employer hat on of running businesses, I'm thinking, I needed to be the person because we went through lots of cycles, we went through Y2K, we went through the GFC, we went through recessions, all those. If I was the person that went into the office going, oh, woe is me, I'm so blah, blah, blah. I had to actually, as the coach, as the leader, go in with a positive attitude so that I didn't um, relay that negativity onto my staff and having it come a self-fulfilling prophecy. So yeah. it's kind of like, you know, I need to go in, okay, I know it's cold outside, I know it's horrible, but come on, we can do this. Let's dig deeper and go... I had to be the role model. Someone's got to be a role model. Someone's yeah. got to. Is this a pendulum swing though? I mean, we go through cycles. Is this because we've been so pent up and so boxed in and, and now all of a sudden we're all finding our voices no matter what tribe we belong to? And has the pendulum just swung that little bit too far and we're, we're using our voice <laughs> a little bit too much and maybe inappropriately in some places and, and it will come back or I think it's a trick question on? because I, my, I listen I think a lot of people think there's a lot of pendulums that are swinging too far there's a lot of a lot of things going on right now right and and it's not so hard to find them but you know I I want to think out loud with you because I don't know the direct answer to this but I do think that the other pendulum really sucked for people yeah. I mean, 1950s were not a fun time to be alive at going to work for IBM. I mean, there was nothing happy about that. So, you know, the, the, there's, they lump people into millennials and Gen Z's and boomers and, and Xers. And I think each generation sends, tends to have this archetype attached to them around like, you complain too much and you're too open about your weekend and you're too <laughs> buttoned up about your, your 401k. So, so I, I think, 
I think as a society, COVID has shifted us into, oh my God, we're all human beings and we all have to stay home. And that's a human being experience. Like there was no hierarchy there. We all had to stay home. So it flattened something for everybody for a second. Mm -hmm. And now a lot of the corporate culture is trying to build it back up, especially the work at home conversation and the work at work conversation. But I think we, if we show up with a balanced inside and outside, that's what we're, we're looking for. Right. I don't think any extreme is good, but I think that the, the parallel world I was bringing up was your social feed is not necessarily how you show up at work, but the two are very tied now. You know, I, I, I think, I don't know what to say. I I think, I think a lot of there's, there is oversharing on the social feeds. That's not a question, but how does that affect people who are trying to get work? This is what I'm up against. I work with emancipated foster youth who are really serious about getting work out of college and they need support. And I always say, clean up your social feed, like make sure you don't have some weird stuff going on because I'm going to see it, you know? And, uh, but I also want to, I love humanness. I love, Mm -hmm. I love delight and joy and sorrow. Even I just don't want to see it out of control. And that's very subjective. What does out of control mean? You know, I don't know. Control to you is not out of control to somebody else. So mm. I, I think it's out of control when, um, You've gone over over the norm. Like, in other words, your social feeds, I always used to tell candidates, you know, have a profile, put stuff. You're young. You go to parties, right? You go to parties. So you got to put pictures of you at parties. But you don't have to put a picture of you at a party um, that's not appropriate, right? Dancing on tables or shirt down or whatever. Like, if you don't, if, it, it's, if it's not... Um, okay for the front page of the newspaper, then it's probably not okay for your employer to see it. So, you know, think about what images, you know, you expect to see young kids having stuff on their uh, Instagram and stuff where they're having fun, going to football games, doing this, doing that. Um, But there's a line. And I'm telling you, I have seen some lines crossed on social feeds for candidates who have applied for jobs. But are yeah. we just being a bit too purist, a bit too pure? What's the expression? Puritanical? Is that the expression? Are we being a little yeah, bit? Look, look, it's a generational thing. If you're if you're working for a company that's all a bunch of Gen Gen Zs, they're not going to have any issue with any of this. There's a there is a like get over it. Like you know, yeah, I, yeah. I, and I, my but daughter's I, generation I think, say get over it. It's not an well, issue. Okay. Like, if you wouldn't show it to your mother or your sister, mum, just get over it. Get I over it. <laughs> I, I I think I draw the line if they're putting things like sex pics up on their thing. Yeah, of course. And that that that's that's over here. Nudity, yeah, I, I yeah. like wet nudity, that kind of stuff. That that's kind of drawn over the line. No, but I, I think what's also interesting is if you create safety and then take it away, that's bad. And I'll and I'll give you a good example of this. So I used to do a lot of employee engagement work. I did some sexual harassment training, some DEI training. This is before 2019. And uh, I remember being in situations where we had some very um, profoundly safe moments on a Saturday night at a, at a retreat. And there's 40 people in a room and they're really talking because uh, we've set something up so that they can share. Yeah. And then they wake up in the morning, there's brunch. And then there's like this horrible thing that I have to go back to work on Monday. How do I how do I recover from this beautiful, safe place we created where there was sharing? There was not so much griping or anything. It was more like, this is how I feel on a Friday versus a Monday. I wanted to share like sometimes 
the managerial style is not working for my for my productivity. Like things are facilitated and we create the space, but then the corporate culture can't hold it on a Monday. Mm. So if you're gonna, if you're going to be if you're going to try to create a culture of openness and authenticity, you better be able to contain it and 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 make it real and not say, oh, we're done. It's Monday. Get back to work. We're going to be assholes again. Like we've got to figure yeah. out yeah, how to so how to build a culture of safety. And you know, I. It, on LinkedIn, you see a lot of famous orators or, or trendsetters or thought leaders, you know, saying very banal things like being kind is a good thing. And they'll get 20,000 likes. Gee, I could have said that for 20,000 likes. But there are there is this saccharine weird stuff going on where the obvious is being spoken. But obviously, it's not that obvious. So far be it for me to judge it. And I just did. But there's like, there are people that really are in pain around how to show up authentically at work. Yeah, they don't. Well, because they're going through it probably for the first time. Yeah. And they might not have the right um, mentors or people behind them sort of giving them guidance or, you know, through it. So they're yeah. kind of lost. Yeah. And, and also I think, what we've seen, Christina, I've seen. We were talking about this the other day. Is a bit of paranoia. So if people are um, working from home all the time, and they're not going in, then they're being a bit paranoid about what is going on, or what's right. being said about them, or what they're being left out of, or what they're not being included in. Um, yeah, because this there's, there's, there's a bunch of things on. going on. Yeah, reading yeah. more into an email or meeting more into a. Um, what's the other one? Um, what's the other one? Salesforce, yeah, you know, Slack that, yeah, or whatever they're using, Teams, yeah. whatever they're using. Yeah, so they're reading, and so they're not because there's nobody like next to them that they can go. Do, do you know what do you think? So then they yeah. they dwell on it, and they dwell on it, and it becomes a thing. And these aren't just junior people; they're they're um, you know more mature and senior people too. So it, it it's it is isolation has its own issues that cause more issues. And, and I the think blurring, I think, Deborah, you picked up on a point. There's this blurring between home and work now. And we've mm -hmm. had this insight through remote work and asynchronous work into people's homes. And we see, you know, hubby's bringing in or partner's bringing in cups of coffees and dogs wander through and kids run through. And, you know, there's yeah. this, the mask has come down. We don't put on a suit and walk into the office anymore it's like you you're seeing more of everybody yeah and there's this blurring and we're trying to figure out well what are the virtual lines what are the hard lines mm -hmm. I think one yeah. of the good things that I've seen over the last few years that has been a positive about the whole thing is that it has enabled global conversation in a way that it never had before and and I think that part has enhanced a lot of people's lives and and being able to talk to people during times but then on the other hand it's also caused isolation in in certain other ways and so there's probably there needs to be this balance of mm -hmm. um trying to find i think we've had we've had a few um people on about uh working remote and the the thing that comes out the most is intent and being intentional about the structure and having a structure so that people know where they stand, you know, if I have, there's right now uh, a lot of the banks over here, Deb are uh, calling the employees back. They want them to come back into the office. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, obviously if they're wanting, you know, even just three days, they want a better a lot of resistance, a lot of resistance. And, um, you know, and I think 
you kind of wonder, well, why is there resistance? Find out why, what is the resistance? It's because the cost of driving into the city, the cost of parking, the time it takes, they don't have childcare anymore. I know I've got a few friends that find it very difficult on the childcare front. Yeah. And, you know, maybe companies need to go back to start providing, you know, how they used to have childcare facilities in their, in their offices, start providing that or pay for it. Yeah, I had that when I was a young corporate mum. Hmm. Healthcare in the building. Barriers away. Oh, wow, that's cool. That's so cool. Yeah, oh, there was one that I saw the story the other day, and I and um, I, I I'm going to try to get this guy on. He's head of vibe. That's the title. Head of vibe with Canva, and and everything that he does is about the vibe of because obviously they want people in the office about the vibe of the place. I think it was on TV, and I saw that they had. They give um, breakfast and lunch to the staff and they have all that. That's back like in the 2000s of dot-com life when they did that. Yes, what old is new. (laughs) What works, I think what worked in one generation, and I I learned this lesson the hard way, we we shouldn't give people what we think they want. We need to actually ask what they want. Yeah. I'm wondering wondering what people actually want now and then there's a fine line between you can't always get what you want <laughs> sometimes you get what you need um so there's that you're quoting line, somebody that? you're quoting somebody fabulous aren't you that is <laughs> <laughs> well if you want to back in the office the office has got to be pretty darn good and there's got to be a reason for me reason to go in there and yeah. they're gonna, you know want to love it and be you know part of it and um and i think I actually, from a temperature point of view, of us talking about the temperature of the market, I'm hearing a lot of people who are saying, I do want to go back into the office. <laughs> you know, they do want it. Not full-time, though. Not full-time. They want yeah. the flexibility. They still need the flexibility and that type of thing. But they're they're ready to get back. What, what was the um, saying that we had, the, or that Dr. Simone had, show up, get up, show up? What was it? Get, get up, dress up, show up. Get up, dress up, show up. Um, and you know, get back in. That's there. another quote. Get up, stand up. <laughs> <laughs> oh my yeah. God, you hear so many quotes. That's one thing about doing a podcast. You, you hear so many quotes and, and so many things that you you forget where they come from sometimes. Right. <laughs> but Deborah, what are what other issues are you hearing about? Because you hear a lot of conversation. I do. I hear a lot. I, I, there's a whole. Oh my God. You know what keeps on creeping up is is quiet quitting and quiet firing like that whole cycle i'm, I'm going to quit before they fire me we're going to fire them before they quit um you know this 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 it's a you know if i typed it in right now we get all these conversations there's this sense of like how do i do that how do i lead this well without burning bridges i'm not needed here anymore i've cycled out or how do we get rid of this person who clearly is disinterested but there's you know we, we don't, we want to do it right. I think when you're not sitting around a table every day and getting that warm fuzzy, you're more dispensable. Mm-hmm. I do think that relationships are built differently from zoom than they would be sharing, sharing a table and having a meal and yeah. having coffee and learning about every, that's the intimacy issue that I think is, is causing di- a lot of distrust in a lot of ways. Like, am I really a person or am I just a person in a box? That's interesting. A number. I, I think I have I, a person I, in a box. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I didn't know what quiet quiet quitting was about until I started listening to people on Swell, you know. And there's there's a sense of disconnection from the end product. 
you know, like, wh- what do I really fit in? What, who am I working for? And there's no purpose. There's no connection to the purpose of the organization or the organization's got no purpose that I'm aligned to. Is that? Yeah. I think that there's, you know, with the mission vision statement stuff, sometimes you'd go to retreats and you'd, you'd, I did a lot of retreats when I was doing corporate training and you'd see them come up with their own business unit mission that would complement the company mission. And they take stock in the experience of creating that, whether it was through a creative process or collaborative or playing games, all of a sudden they had this thing that they created that was about their team. And then you're not seeing a lot of that stuff anymore. And then, you know, some might say, well, that was, you know, fluff, you don't need that. Let's get to work. But I, I actually think employee engagement is, is a big cornerstone to the success of a company and also for the mental health of the employees. So I think this all circles back to, you know, um, feeling secure about who you're committing yourself to, whether you're committing yourself to the company or the company's committing themselves to you. You know, I always think it's interesting to think about everybody can turn the tables usually in a company that they have the people they're reporting to, but then they also have people that report to them or they have, at least they have people they're accountable to in their business unit. And you, in a given day, you, you're, you're sort of a child and a parent at the same time. Like you're, it's very, it's, I think it's hard to, to follow all your emotions in one day, if you if you really want to have the feelies, you're going to get into trouble because you're going to see how complicated it is to be in a workplace right now. Um, I don't know. I I, I don't. My, you know, my father worked for the government for 43 years. Same desk, same Department of Defense. Never moved. Very simple guy. Beautiful soul, but didn't. You know, I always say, you know, was he happy? Did he did he get fulfilled? And you never asked that question back in the 60s and 70s and 80s. You just didn't. You just did your work. And I'd rather be living in the 2020s right now. I think it's a great time to be alive, but the complexity of how do I hold myself accountable to my own goals versus the company goal versus people I'm responsible to, it's all one big thing of spaghetti. And I think conversations like this, if we could streamline them, because we're a bunch of ladies and we could talk about a million (laughs) things all at once. But I think it's interesting (laughs) to say, what does it feel like to walk into your home office on a Monday and worry about, you know, did the people you hire last week, did they show up in the way that you would like your bosses to see that they showed up? Like, you know, how do you make that, how do you touch, touch that truth? Like, how do you pull out from people? Did they show up, you know, when they worked at home? Like, I don't know, there's that, there's that sense of like, how do you measure people's performance nowadays? It's, it's very difficult, you know, and I, I think, think it's yeah, very, I think- very difficult for people for managers to manage people right now because there are so many more things going on um, these days as far as what you have to worry about as far as their mental health and what's happening because that you know their home life could be one way and what's going on there and then you know I saw this thing the other day there's a thing called summer stress now summer stress is. That uh. it's a whole, have you seen that? It's this whole new thing about people are stressed because it's summer. And the reason being is because they're looking on their devices and they're seeing their friends on holidays or barbecues or having fun in the summer. And they're wondering, well, how come I'm not having that fun in the yeah. summer or I'm not doing the right thing? So here's another, just another extension of FOMO, like I'm missing <laughs> out. Yes, it's another thing. It's So, you know, it kind of all goes down to um, social media 
and how mm -hmm. to handle it, doesn't it? It's kind of like if we were sort of advising, you know, sort of yeah. teenagers coming up, you'd kind of go, you know what, limit your time and go out and enjoy life. And um, because this is causing you a lot more stress, than yeah. you think, which is yeah. then going to affect your work life. And there's a whole domino effect. Just going back to your contemplation about how do we know if people are showing up? I think the mere inquiry into that is a brilliant place to start. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know how many leaders, or maybe they do, actually reflect and go, "Hey, did did Sammy and Johnny did or you know whoever did how how did how were they last week? Did were they mm -hmm. present? What was going on?" Mm -hmm. um, I'm wondering whether, as leaders, we actually have the skills to one reflect on that and two to have a meaningful purposeful conversation with those yeah. people to actually understand and let's assume all the KPIs are there and we're not we're not valuing people based on timing we're valuing on output and let's assume everybody knows what the job is and all of those yeah. sorts of things but it's about that human connection skill and being able to have that inquiry without being intrusive i think building that into a culture i mean you have to be deliberate i would say uh, asking people to be reflective without feeling like what they say is going to be bite them. in stone and it's going to come back to bite them. You know, I think it's very beautiful to someone say, yeah, I, I, I wish I had a better, I wish Thursday was a better day for me. I was kind of distracted and, and, and yet I did my work, but I feel like, uh, you know, I feel disconnected from, from what I did. Like, I, I don't know. I think that there's, that's what I started with the podcast talking about. Like, when do you feel safe to be reflective and vulnerable about your questioning of your own performance without someone saying, well, you said it yourself, you weren't present on Thursday. Well, that's not what I meant. I was very present on Thursday. I was just questioning how it was all fitting into the big picture. I haven't heard about the big picture in now two quarters and I don't know how we're doing as a company and no one's really talking about it, but I'm just doing my job and some days are harder than others. And, you know, what does a leader do with that? You know, a leader doesn't dismiss it, but they don't coddle it because then they're like doing, you know, Enabling, yeah. but I, I think if you look at a, a given week, you need one hour that week to call it happy hour or something. So people can come together and say, how are you guys doing and have it facilitated. I mean, I, I still think there's not enough facilitation for people to really know how to speak about things without thinking they're not being safe. Let's move social media aside for a second. I'm talking about like on Wednesdays at noon, we're going to have a brown bag lunch, Zoom or not Zoom. And we're going to, we're going to reflect on, uh, everyone's going to have time to say what they're, how they're feeling about their own experience at this company. Like how often do you get that invitation? You don't. Yeah. And it needs to be, it needs to be, um the people who are facilitating it need to be trained in a way that they need to make sure that they're making the people who are speaking up about how they feel um yeah. accepted and that they're not so that if they say something somebody else doesn't go oh that's just oh that's crazy or you yeah. know you're imagining things like they need to know how to um be able to um nurture the conversation mm -hmm. um, in a way that people feel like they can speak freely without criticizing them. They right. might critique, but they're not criticizing. Maybe you should yeah. try it this way next time. Yeah. You thought yeah. of this. 
or, you know, this is something I did one time that worked. How about you try it this time and see how it goes. If you want my help, I'll yeah. help. Something that it's more of a, a team talk, a team discussion rather mm -hmm. than a hierarchical. Yeah, I mean, circle is always beautiful, better than the pyramid. I mean, it's nice to sit around. One of the things I really hope that happens on Swell is that more leaders pick up their phone and say something, and then it, it gets in the newsletter, and people could hear a thought that somebody had about a, you know, a, a philosophical comment about the business they're in, or about their own wondering about tomorrow uh, and and what will come with the business they're in, or something that's more ephemeral and lovely and inviting. And then whether or not you're safe enough to reply to that CEO or that manager is not really the point. That's their responsibility to, to give that invitation. But I think that we don't get to hear the thoughts of our leaders enough. We we hear their speeches and their annual reports and their, but, but we don't hear thoughts enough. And I think that's, you know, sometimes I think that swell could be a pretty cool place to hear the tone of somebody you yeah. know, it's, that's kind of gentle and say, you know, this is John. I run the, uh, I run the tire division of Goodyear and we, we've been having some thoughts about recycling and, you know, my wife and I took a trip and we were thinking, wow, wouldn't it be cool if, and just kind of being more human. I wonder if that would create a sense of like, wow, I heard John Swellcast last week and he was really letting us into his life. Like, I think that's I where. Like share price. Yeah. I don't know. You know, well, we, we might, we might be. Sorry, it's kind of you know just here they can they can talk about the human side. They can still be careful what they say, but they can still say yeah. things that make them human to to other people and say, oh, okay, they've had that, they've gone through that, or you know, yeah. It would be so like cool if they could. I just people censor themselves all the time for yeah. fear of. Absolutely. And it's a real fear, like we said before, like ha like when I interviewed Steve Wozniak, like almost three years ago now, and I said to him, like, this is a new platform where you talk. And he said, yeah, but I want to talk about my, my RV. I just have an RV with my wife and we're about to go on a trip. And we talked about his RV for a couple of days. And I was thinking to myself, like, that's a gift. He's not talking about the business or computers or his career. He's talking about his RV. Like, Brilliant. I think that we could stand to have that. So I think it's a balance. I also think what's the elephant in the room when it comes to business culture and people is fear of the unknown and change and the destruction of the planet and political unrest and uh, not knowing your, your, your daughter's gender at the moment that she might be in your house. Like there's a lot of stuff that's going through our lives that is it's tumult and wanting to show up and be open to all the news that's out there. And yet, going to bed at night, choosing what to perseverate on. Like, am I going to think about this or this? Like, you know, how can I control my brain? And then you have to show up the next day and hope that everything's still the same. Yeah. It's exhausting. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Well, you know, one of the reasons, one of the things that we said um, when we started this podcast was that, uh, and we have to, we've had to be very careful about who we've had on because we, we, we wanted to have people who we felt would speak authentically and would not, wouldn't be afraid right to, to um you know say what they really think because so many people will not say what they really think because oh no this is going to go out and somebody so we so a lot yeah. of times we don't have people who are necessarily still in the middle of their corporate career because they're not going to say oh god it really sucks working for yeah. the bank <laughs> they're not but gonna i think i think you're bringing up a really interesting point which is wondering out loud with people is the biggest gift you can give people it's not like 
you know, there's we're all wise here. We all can talk about a certain level of like understanding, but I think conversations are the best when people are wondering out loud because we're discovering together. And I don't, you know, you can, I can read your book and know your expertise and your framing of a million things. And that's not that book. And it's very helpful, but what's much more exciting as a listening experience is to, is to feel that we're, we're, we're kind of all on this hike and we're looking around and seeing what's showing up in the next hill. It's very, it's a very human open experience. And I have to say, I know you're very into gender, um, but I think that women have an easier time being imperfect and not full of knowledge. We're, we're, we have an easier time feeling into a situation and saying, let me be here for a second and wonder with you. And I, I think that's a gift of the feminine instinct is to sort of nurture a moment that might be unclear as opposed to bulldozing through it with some fake knowledge or fake confidence that you don't really have. Well, you know, the thing is you say in, in the gender, I'm actually not uh, my, my, I know you're in, it's not, I, I know what you're saying. Yeah. It's more like, I'd like to see, I'd like to see a future where when somebody is comes into the work environment that they're just seen as that person and sure. not anything else not a label not anything else right they're that person whatever their name is what are their skills and capabilities that kind of stuff and not that would be the perfect world that then everybody's equal and um because i just think there's just too many too many um labels on everything these days and labels tend to box, um, box people in and also tend to separate people you right. know we've had labels like i I, in the book, I actually go over past labels from school, which is more in the old days, the mean girls, the the jocks, the, the, you know, the, you know, how we're in high school, there was the geeks, the different groups, right? And the, right, right, right from all through the four years, there were labels put on people of different categories. And, you know, the chess club, the glee club, the you know, that kind of yeah. stuff. And people had a vision of what these people were like. And, you know, and it's kind of like, let's not bring that on into the, the work environment. Let's just hire Mary or Jim or Susie or whoever, yeah. who they are. And, you know, that kind of thing. And one day, maybe. <laughs> so I was talking to somebody the other day about they were talking about their resume going out. And, um, you know, that they felt that they were being discriminated on because of the way they presented their resume and certain names and things like that. And I thought to myself, Jesus, these companies, why, you know, there should be a coding system. Why are we putting names or genders or anything on a resume to make it fair? Send your mm -hmm. resume in without a name on it and be a number. And then they will get the long list based on just that person's skills and abilities on that resume. There's always going to be some bias. We can't, we'll never, ever get rid of yeah. the bias in people's heads because we won't know what we're dealing with. Yeah. But at least, at least it could get a lot of those people um, who have been discriminated against in the past on the long list yeah. to get the shot, to get the shot and to be able to, you know. Um, so it's just amazing. I mean, I think, I think the young ones today are are going to improve things. Every generation improves things. And what we got to do is just take what the good part out and then bring that like 
or every crisis that we have, yeah. something good comes out of it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> something. No, it's true. I, I, I think that when you talk to a young couple who's having kids, it's very important to talk to them and ask them why they're having kids and what their belief system is to have those, to have the courage to have kids and to have the courage to build the future with another little being given all the things that seem scary and you get, you get some really cool answers. And I think we have to get out of the way a little bit with our cynicism and our fear and our discomfort and our, even our knowledge, because that knowledge can be moved over and shifted by someone else's sense of what this version of their knowledge is. And it blows our minds. And I, I love, I love my nephews. They're, they're all in their, you know, their twenties and thirties and my nieces as well. And I, I, um, I get great joy from just listening to them and shutting up. Well, yeah, because you learn things from them. You know, there's a there's yeah. a thing called reverse mentoring, where mm-hmm. um, you know how you're prepared. You're you're meant you mentor someone who is more junior, but then you also have someone more junior mentor you on the up and coming. And yeah. so technology and and that can be really rewarding for people. Oh my God, yeah, because for sure. it's all about listening to the other. The problem starts when there's division. And people won't listen to each other and they won't ask, no. well, why do you feel that way? Well, why did you, well, why are you, um, g- you know, you, if you don't hear the reasons, you're never going to have empathy or understand what they're well, going and through. This is, and this is where uh, I, the whitewashing of people's individual identity is a, is a problem. I, I love your vision. And I, wa- I want you to feel like there's going to be a place where we all get along and we're all considered the same thing. But then the other side of that is completely contrary to what you're saying, which is sort of the area I live in more, which is show me your difference. Show me your complexity. Show me how it feels to be you. And let me leverage that diversity into the world I'm creating for us. Because I think there was this sort of puritanical way of like, we're all a bunch of same people and we're going to make this car. But then that car is not that interesting. And and I'd rather live in a world where we we're not tolerant of each other. We're celebrating our differences and we're acknowledging them as assets to the company. So that's a different vision from my perspective. Um, And sometimes you have to do that on purpose, like uh, not to get too political about what's going on in America, but I think affirmative action was a very good thing. And that we don't have it now is kind of a nail on the coffin of, of, of celebrating the fact that we on purpose want many people to reflect the many people in our country, in our institutions. And when we don't have that, we get lazy and all of a sudden we're going back to a very monolithic, monochrome, homogeneous world. And because a lot of people that need to be affirmed uh, are, are marginalized financially in other ways. So they can't even get in the room. And because when affirmative action is dead, you keep, they're not in the room anymore. And there's lots of stories about how, oh, that's not true. It's, it's, it's just physics of how people move through space and time. Affirmative action was a way to keep things open. Yeah. So, I, I, you We've know, it's a similar it's, debate going on in this country at the moment. I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. You know, when I was in Australia, I was really struck by uh, how how white most of my experience was, hmm. and how uh, you know. Yet there's such a consciousness about the Aboriginal cu- culture and how we should celebrate the land we're on. That was always in my face every second, which is beautiful, but it didn't show up in my daily experience in Australia. So I was like, well, wh- where are these wonderful people yeah. that were honoring their land? Uh, so yeah, we're all, we're all trying so hard. 
<laughs> we're all trying so hard. Uh, and maybe it's be, it's probably because Australia's so far away to get to here. To get here. <laughs> the travel well, with, time <laughs> limits, limits. Yeah. We've you been know, round I, and round in terms think, of conversations. I think the thing is, is that um, you're right. Absolutely, Deb. They're, you know, the diversity. Who wants to work in a company? I don't, wouldn't, where everybody's exactly the same. Because right. if you have diversity of thought, diversity of people, you're going to get a better outcome because then there's going to be brainstorming and different ideas right. and things like that. Always works. Been proven. Um, the the issue with the the right with what's happening right now with resumes and things like that is that from a filtering process, there's a human aspect and um, the 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 people who are in a marginalized um, uh, areas or groups may not be getting even in the door because yeah. of that. So therefore, how do we take that away to make sure it doesn't happen? Because you can say everything to the company is, oh, you need to have so many this, you know, from this, that, and the, and the reality is something different. Yeah. Um, and then also the interviewing panels, the people who do the interviewing in the large organizations, those aren't diverse. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I was in recruitment for 25 years. They're, they're farthest thing from diverse. And yeah. so you've got then people who are interviewing either one person or a panel of all the same people. And who are they going to uh, hire? People that are like them. Yeah, so people are tribal. Yeah. It goes, it goes with that same intent that you've got to have intent about who you you've got to I wouldn't hire someone unless they they were up to the job. So I'm I I but I think you've got to get the people there and they have to have um opportunity. They have to have yeah. quality and opportunity to get That's there right. to the, the first place so that I can meet them and interview them and and then have a fair panel. Like you know, in the old days, it used to be men and female, uh, men, women and right. men. It was all right. about that, men and women. All the good was, old days. Good old days, men and women, you know. Okay, well, how hard is that? Have a panel of half men and half women. <laughs> you know, really, seriously. And have a long list and a short list of half men and half women and put them through the same, you know, the same process. And Very different. I'd have people that would... Um, I remember one particular role where it was with a bank and they said, we want a female to run this um, uh, financial planning company. And when I saw the, the position description, I said, there's not, first of all, there's not one woman in Australia that has five plus five to 10 years plus experience. And that's what you have in your position description because no one's ever hired one and you want one. There's not one. Oh, so right. You have to change your requirements. You have to yeah. have a next stepper. And right. And I said, I'm wow. not bringing women up just to fill your your quota. quota of the short list or the long list. You have to be intentional that yeah. you are really serious about high. And then if it's a next stepper, I can give you 10. I can give yeah. you 10 next steppers that would be brilliant in the job, but they're going to need some guidance and things yeah. like that. And so it's all, you know, it, <laughs> it takes time, but it takes intent yeah. and it takes and we bump into good ideas and that's what conversation's about. And that's what this whole conversation, I think one of the brilliant things about creating space to talk is, you know, if you get one gem out of an hour conversation, you're doing great. I hope yeah. we got a gem out of this, but I feel it like it, you know, because you bump into this, this moment of clarity, which is the wondering part. Like I might not know an answer, but if you, if you give me the comfort to figure it out with you, I might come up with something I never would have had I not been in conversation with you. You know, so yeah, I, I think it's, it's, it's a good, it's always good to talk and to 
create the space to talk. And I think that's the theme. If everyone keeps talking, then they're not stuck. Exactly. And having a diverse workforce, I mean, you know, the old group think, remember group think? Well, that's, that's the, like, why I would love to have a team of people yeah. from all over the place, different ages and also age. Like we can have a whole new podcast about age discrimination. Oh, talk. I'm the oldest one in my company by, I think like 12 years. Wow. That is a huge thing. It is a huge thing. And it's, you know, um, it's a shame actually, because yeah. they will say women over 50 um, are among the highest in homelessness because I can't get jobs. Do you know, that's a whole other conversation. That's I mean, it, no, but it's worth having because it's I think definitely worth having. Because I think that there's 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 a, there's a lot of like strong people on the internet, you know, on social media saying I'm going to age out loud and gracefully, and I'm not done. I'm, I'm you know, but the truth of the matter, they talk, they turn off their camera and they're like filling themselves with with Botox and they're trying to become who they're saying they don't want to become. So there's a lot of internalized hatred that they have for themselves. I actually and think that's a brilliant conversation to have. It's a brilliant yeah. conversation. That's a panel of a lot of people. I mean, I know I'm going to be 58 in September and I, I celebrate every year I've lived, but I do know that less and less do I announce my age to people less yeah. and less, not because I'm uncomfortable. They're uncomfortable. They're yeah. like, wow, my mom's age. Wow. That's super weird. Yeah, I'm exactly. Like, I'm sure your mom's a lovely person. Why is it weird? You know, because it's weird. Yeah, ladies, we could talk forever. So very final final words. Um, Deborah, you you go first in terms of what's I mean, we've we've covered a lot of territory in right. this final words. I have final words. Keep talking, keep inviting people to talk. Don't be afraid of not being articulate, just say what's on your heart, and that will cover most of the the value of what you said because it's coming from you and don't edit yourself to the extent that you are not speaking your truth, but you know, just be, be out there because it's going to resonate with somebody. Yeah, absolutely. Judith. Yeah. Um, I would say that, you know, if you're, if you're out there and you're feeling not yourself, or you're not feeling light at the end of the tunnel that you just need to remember that you have it in you to find that light and you have strength to be able to find it. And it is up that. to you. And it is your responsibility. So your first step is surround yourself with positive people who are going to give you that motivation and help you. Don't try to do it alone. Why try to do anything alone? <laughs> I just, you know, try to, whether it's resourcing online, inspiration or reading books for inspiration, whatever it is, you, you've got you and you alone are the only one that can help you get out of that rut first step. And then the second step is, and that second step is to get the help. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you, Judith. Deborah, it's been fantastic. You have fantastic having you on the program. For our audience, go and check out Swell if you haven't already and start some conversations. Thanks, Deborah. You're welcome. It's great. Good to be here. For more information about Every Step and our guests, head to everysteppodcast.com. To be notified of new podcasts, please subscribe via your favourite listening platform. And of course, follow us on social media and direct message us to share your ideas about guests or topics.